This is Academes, a podcast about women in academia, living the dream, or are we? We'd like to begin this episode by acknowledging a few of our newest Patreon patrons. Today, I'll recognize the contributions of Megan Ogero, Jessica Crock-Shane, Brooke Anderson, Sarah, and Kat Moon. Thank you so much for your support. We really appreciate it. Hey, Whitney. Hey, Sarah. It's good to be recording with you. It's been a long time, it feels like. It's been a long time. This is the end of season four, and it's been like mind-bending to think about everything that's happened since we started season four in August. I was just going to ask, what month was it? August. That feels like a (laughs) lifetime ago. (laughs) I mean, it was a lifetime ago, as we're going to talk about when we looked back at the beginning of the season in the first episode, Mm. UNC, where I work, had just started in-person schooling. So their plan was to bring everybody back to in-person schooling without, you know, a surveillance (laughs) regime. It was like day two when we recorded. I was like, I don't think this is going to go well. And by the time we released the episode, which was like day eight maybe the um, the cases had spiraled out of control and they like sent everybody home so that's kind of how the semester started I think that's like the semester in a nutshell hearing you say that feels like a dystopian novel yeah yeah it was it was it was the best of times it was the worst of times (laughs) I don't know anyway so yeah it's been a while yeah so um let's launch right in I'm Mm-hmm. I would be very interested to hear an update from you because even <laughs> though we do weekly meetings for the podcast, you know, like I, it would be nice to hear a summary of where you've been. Yeah. Um, so I started out by talking about the first episode in our season, but in thinking about where I am now, my mind goes to the last episode of our season before this, which was your interview with Emily Nagoski, mm-hmm. which was a great interview. Mm-hmm. And I love Emily Nagoski and she's like mm-hmm. the new person I'm reading. But her most recent book with her sister was called Burnout. And a lot of it is about neuroscience and stress response, but it resonated so much with me because mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm so at the edge. And I think this is a lot of Black faculty in the U.S. right now. Like we're trying to do our normal work. I'm doing COVID work. Um, a lot of us are doing racial equity and inclusion work because there's really been kind of this reckoning around race after George Floyd's murder and, you know, protests this summer. And so a lot of universities are like, oh, we should do something about this. And students are really demanding it. So I'm trying to do that work. And you know, COVID prevention stuff in my community because I work in public health and just more public communication. And so a lot of it is good, but it's just been like 
a constant push. And because my kids have been in daycare since March, which was like a big privilege, I just felt like if I have kids in daycare, I should work as hard as I can because I don't know when this is all going <laughs> to fall apart and they're going to be like home with me. So I was like, let's get it while the getting's good. Let's work, 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 work. And so I did that and I was really lucky because daycare stayed open and, but like now I'm exhausted. Um, I have a question for you about the um, diversity, equity, and inclusion committee that you're co-chairing for your department. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about how you became involved with that and like what that decision process was for you? I mean, they asked me to do it. <laughs> My department leadership. And they asked me to chair it. And I was like, I absolutely cannot chair it. Cause like, I am just like done. I'm fried. Mm -hmm. I'm like barely holding it together. I cannot chair this committee mm -hmm. because of the workload, because the work is important. And if you're going to do it right, it's going to take a lot of extra energy. And also because it's like kind of intense work. I have a very white department. I'm one of very, very few black faculty. Um, and I was like, I can't lead this. It's just going to be too draining, like mm -hmm. psychologically and emotionally and logistically. So I agreed to co-chair it. And I really appreciate the person I'm chairing with. And so I think I'm doing it because I'm like, this could be an opening. And I said to them, I'm really wary about being on a committee. I feel like the university often when they want to just say they're doing something without doing something, they're like, let's form a committee. Vomit. <laughs> uh, but they were like, no, this could be different. And, you know, like there really is an opening here. And so I don't know if it was a good decision or a bad decision. Time will tell. So I think probably what I was asking is like, when I see people of color tapped for diversity, equity, and inclusion committee work. I think, you know, on the one hand, obviously you want people who are most acutely affected by what's happening to be represented, but you also want to minimize burden. And I just would imagine that being approached to do that is probably very fraught, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I think because of what I study, I am a good person to do it in some ways, because some of what we want to do is curriculum change. And, mm. you know, I have an idea about how a lot of our methods could be taught very differently. Like I have specific opinions about that. But yeah, like it shouldn't be additional like labor that the faculty of color are doing. And part of the issue is like the inclusion and treatment of the faculty of color you know, mm. and so we can't even fully advocate for ourselves. So it was important to me that it be a diverse committee, you know, that had men on it and that had mm. like a lot of white people on it. It wasn't just like the usual suspects. Yeah. If we want culture change, we need everybody to buy in. So that's been like my theory of the case. And honestly, I don't know if I'm right or wrong. And maybe in a year or so we'll know. So can I share what I think is like a I won't call it a success story because it hasn't mm -hmm. been successful yet, but um, I was, I participate in um, a, a search committee for my department mm -hmm. for hiring. And um, we were talking about kind of what kind of person we're looking for in terms of rank. And one of the people on the committee 
said, because we had, you know, been angling for somebody a little bit kind of on, on the more mid to senior, um, level, but one of the people said, um, if we do that, we are basically boxing out a lot of potential, um, people of color who are less represented in those higher ranks. And so we can potentially increase the pool by just having it be open rank. Like what's the harm? And that I, when that happened, I felt like, I don't know that, that it was something I hadn't thought about and it felt positive to me. Yeah, it could be good. I think sometimes though, people do kind of conflate thinking about diversifying scholars with kind of early career. And I think sometimes people underestimate how many really great mid-career hmm. like Black mm -hmm. faculty there are. And I feel like sometimes I'm on committees and we'll be talking about somebody and they're like, oh, she's early career, right? And I'm like, no, she's not early career. Mm -hmm. So um, I think sometimes those people can be a little bit invisible. And so it's great mm. that like there's a wide net being cast, but um, yeah, to really aggressively think about the more senior mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. non-white scholars too mm. and mid-level. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about in terms of your kind of, I mean, just like it's real, like something's going to need to change. I think we've been pushing and I feel very lucky that I've had the opportunity to do as much work as I have, but I really need to like shift things next semester. So mm -hmm. there's a class I would usually teach every year that I'm not going to teach next semester. Cause I'm just like, I just can't, um, mm -hmm. like, I don't want to like have a breakdown in front of my class. <laughs> because I just like, I'm on the edge, you Bottles. know? I mean. <laughs> yeah, I needed a sabbatical like before COVID. I've been talking about trying to take a sabbatical or just a- Forever. A breather, yeah. Before August was born, before yeah. my almost two-year-old was born. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do it next spring. And then I was pregnant and I'm like, oh, I'm actually taking maternity leave, not a sabbatical. And then, mm. you know, it just never happened. And um. And this isn't even going to like be a sabbatical. It's just not teaching. And my service has shifted from the spring to the fall. So I'm kind of piling that in now. But I just want to step back. I just want to focus on my research and, you know, my students. And I want to be able to put on an away message and mm -hmm. say, like, if we're not doing research together and you're not one of my students, I'm probably not going to respond to you. Like, I that's like it. My dream situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I could talk for hours about like email boundaries and <laughs> task management. Oh my God. I, I, oh my gosh. I have to say, I got an email from um, a new colleague at Wake who I had not met before. Um, but the, um, the email like had the request in bold in the first two sentences and there was an asterisk and uh. the asterisk at the bottom of the email said, per your recent tweet. Uh, <laughs> I tweeted and was like, it's 2020. Please do not. I cannot stand. Uh, I, I never just don't respond to emails, I know. but I have gotten a couple of emails where I'm like, what's the, the question the audacity of you to write paragraphs i cannot read this and i won't yes. you might be dr fauci i don't <laughs> think, what is wrong with you just tell me what you want from me Jeez. okay i love this person this is like my new favorite colleague of yours me too and her request was will you be on my k committee and i was like 
Yes. yes. I will be on your you whatever me, committee. You had me at bold face to fit this request. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bless that person. I hope that person gets her K award. Me too. Um, so yeah, so the Emily Nagoski was super helpful. I'm trying to implement some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Thanksgiving, we just finished Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically since the beginning of the pandemic, I decided I'm not going to see my extended family. It's just going to be like mm-hmm. us here. You know, we send the kids to daycare, but otherwise, like, we're not seeing anybody else indoors or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we went on a family trip to this, like, Mm -hmm. cabin a couple Mm -hmm. hours away, and there was no Wi-Fi, and I just went to bed at, like, 8.30 p.m. and slept a long time. Yes. And it was so good, and I'm I'm, I'm apparently sleep-deprived, Sarah. (laughs) Can you tell me a little bit about your sleep schedule lately? I've been trying to get better because Louis like this is bananas because ultimately I ideally would be a person who goes to bed at like maybe 9 30 10 and wakes up 6 6 30 that's probably my mm-hmm. optimal body rhythms but I just think often I feel so wiped out at the end of the day I feel like I deserve to stay up and like watch television yes or like surf the web uh-huh so then I'm like going to bed at like 11, but I'm still waking up at like 6, 6.30. But I tried to use the um, daylight savings time shift to my advantage. So mm-hmm. I actually haven't set my bedroom clock back. So like when it's mm-hmm. 9.30, it says on my clock it's 10.30. Okay. It's weird. I'm just trying to trick myself to going to bed earlier. So I'd already started making that shift. Um, so it's like a little better, but... Yeah. So I thought I was better. I've been going to bed earlier, but then being at the cabin, um, I went to bed really earlier. So I'm like, oh, there's more. One of the funniest things about being at the cabin, this is a digression. So I have a six-year-old and there's a TV there. There's no Wi-Fi, um, but we can get cell signal for our phones and they have a TV with like a few cable stations. So we have on the TV, my six-year-old is like, um, I, I want to watch, you know, he named some show and I'm like oh I don't think they have that and he says why don't you just search like the name of the show and I was like you can't do that and he's like why not I'm like this is tv (laughs) and like he doesn't really understand how television works because he's so used to like on demand (laughs) like he really I was like oh this is a different world this is a whole different world the whole like these are the channels this is what's on so you know (laughs) Oh, but it was less distracting. There was less yeah. to do. I was like, I guess I'll just go to bed. Mm-hmm. Well, I have kind of a, a an analogous story. So we just got back from the beach and it was lovely. And um, I, we got together with, with friends on our screen porch um, for dinner a few weeks back and asked them, cause they had gone to the beach and they have kids our our kids age. And I asked, like, did you get on them about screen time? Like, were they allowed to use screens? And they were like, listen, it's a vacation. You need to just chill out and just <laughs> let them do what they're going to do. And that's what we did. So, I mean, it's, it's not really analogous. It's like the, I don't know, whatever. We uh, There were probably hours upon hours upon hours that my kids were on screens and nice. I was napping. like whatever working with clay I it was or walking on the beach because my kids are old enough that they can just be it was in the first two days of our vacation the kids were still in virtual school so Ben and I just got to chill 
That's nice. Delightful. Yeah. So, yeah, the sleep is good. I'm going to keep working on it. Um, Movement. I do want listeners, I realize that I would like some recommendations for aerobic dance exercise routines Mm -hmm. I can do online that are set to like late 80s, 90s, early 2000s R&B pop. Basically, my musical tastes have not changed since I was a teenager. And I feel bad about it because, you know, my husband's kind of into music. But I right now, all I need in my life is comfort food. I <gasps> am a person who never watches the same TV shows, but I just started a TV show that I watch before that's just comfort TV. I just want to listen to like the same What are you watching? I what is it? To. It's called Single Parents. It's just a sitcom. Okay. It's just like... A very basic, basic sitcom. Can I give you a very a recommendation I feel very strongly about? Okay. Get yourself a Spotify subscription. Okay. We have a title okay. subscription. And what? so, yes, that's what I've discovered. So recently, yes. we, when we were coming back from this cabin trip, Louis, put, Louis had made a playlist, my husband, and it was all this music that we both grew up with. And I was like, oh, like I've been feeling paralyzed because you would talk about listening to music more and I've been feeling oh, yeah. paralyzed because I'm like I don't even know where to start I would try to like make you know try to find I'm like I don't even know what I want to listen to I can't yeah. even focus that much but I'm okay. like my hus- I have a husband who makes playlists that's awesome and he knows what I like I can just listen to this like, oh god playlist. that's romantic it's like a 2020 mixtape Yes, he like knows exactly what I, he made me playlists for my both my births too, like when <sighs> I delivered the babies and he makes the best I forgot that he makes the best playlist for me and he like knows exactly what I want. It's not exactly his taste, but he mm-hmm. knows how to do my like very um, basic 90s R&B. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ben has made me a couple like the first mixtape he made me was a literal mixtape because oh. we met in 1999. Yeah. I love one it. Disc, but. <laughs> but I think that's actually a good present. If somebody wants to get you a present, a really inexpensive, thoughtful present for somebody who's good <gasps> at this is just to like make you a nice Oh my God, mix. holiday gift episode. Holiday this is what this episode. is. Yes. You're welcome. <laughs> I can contribute nothing to this conversation. I don't do gifts. But. but it's so nice. It's nice to remember that this is something that he does that actually is going to be very helpful for me. So I've been actually exercising some and listening to that same title mix that he made for our drive um i've been trying to do the 20 second hug that's something that emily Mm -hmm. nagoski talked about Mm -hmm. um music movement yeah so i want somebody to find me some aerobic dance routines i don't want it to be like hit or anything intensive i want it to be like old lady kind of aerobic dance choreographed you know to 90s music i believe in our listeners yes i think they'll come through for me i think so too (laughs) We want to hear from you. What do you think of this episode? Tell us about your experience as an academe. You can reach us on Twitter at academespodcast, by email at academespodcast at gmail.com, or please leave us a voicemail at 919-666-7301. And if you like what you hear, rate us on your favorite podcast app. It'll help people find us. Um, work stuff. I hired a remote postdoc and she lives in Seattle. Okay. I have never met her in person and she is amazing and it's great.
And I was inspired by a Twitter post where somebody talked about trying to be more inclusive and thinking about remote postdocs, especially in the COVID era. And this ties into something we were talking about with Jennifer Pearlstein's episode from this season, where she's like, so many things are just convention, you know, like we hire postdocs who are physically at our locations because that's convention, but like maybe there's a different way to do things and the pandemic can open up different Mm -hmm. ways to do things. And I think because of the pandemic, I was like, we're all remote anyway, because I don't have a lab. We just work for data. Mm-hmm. And so I hired somebody who's been fabulous. Um, oh, so I'm so glad. Great. Yeah. And I really like, she's so cool. And hopefully I'll meet her one day. <laughs> is, she, is she working on your work or is she yeah. doing in, like tangentially related or okay? No, she's hired off my grant. So she's a postdoc on my grant. She has some of her own stuff that um, she does as part of our contract, but like, yeah, so she has full access. She's a UNC employee. So she has access mm-hmm. to you know data and stuff and she uses the VPN. Um, That's exciting. other things, um, my older son's doing remote kindergarten. I was very wary of remote kindergarten. Mm-hmm. He's been doing it from daycare and it's actually been good. He has a great teacher. Um, I really like, I love watching his teacher and just the first two weeks and like the classroom mm. management things that she managed to adapt for online. It's really just like a master class in, mm-hmm. yeah, like managing people. It's amazing. Um, and so he's been doing okay. And, you know, daycare has been great. There's three other kids at his daycare who are like grade school kids who all do their remote learning um, from there. There was a schedule change and that's been bad. So we'll see what happens. Um, and so it's been nice that they're both at the same place. My younger one is just wild because <laughs> he's a toddler. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just, he's just wild. He is, I can't, I can't. Oh yeah, you got August. to see him. You guys came and watched them outside. Eat him. Oh my God. <laughs> I just, like a toddler. A toddler is, so I was actually listening to an interview with a woman named Alec. Alison Gopnik or something. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and she was talking about like toddlers whole job is to be cute. Like that's mm-hmm. their, that's, that's their currency. Otherwise you'd kill them. Yeah, they, they're useless. and They're, <laughs> they're so useless and they're so, they consume so much and give so little except cuteness. Yeah. And, and August gives all the cuteness. Yeah. No, he's optimized the like recklessness and the cuteness, like in equipose. It's amazing. I also, I think I forgot to tell you that um, Lou and Henry, I think would just, if we could just put them in a room and they would just talk at each other. They're both talkers. It's super It's cute. amazing that we have kids who are chatty. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> Jane was just like, uh-huh. I mean, she's used to it. She's just the quiet one great no no my my older son is very chatty oh <laughs> uh, so that's actually been going well we'll see there's a possibility that we might move to a hybrid model in my school district mm-hmm. there's some in person next semester mm-hmm. it's still not great it's like two days a week I'm like this is still too complicated of a schedule but mm-hmm. we'll let you know Uh, But our other big news is that my husband was in the Moderna vaccine trial Um, so he enrolled in that you know, when it started. And so it's a two shot regimen, um, two months apart. And he has an app where he talks about if he has any symptoms and he has to just check in. And so, you know, within the past few weeks, a lot of the news about 
the vaccine results has been coming out. And so first the Pfizer vaccine results seemed really promising, but I was like, okay, is this just a fluke? But then the Moderna, which uses a really similar technology came out and its results were amazing mm -hmm. too. And it just like, I actually started crying mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we've pinned so much of our hopes about getting control of this pandemic on these vaccines and we're trying to use novel technology and do it in a different way and so much effort has been put into developing these vaccines and the fact that they seem to be working well is like just huge I can't even get that feeling back like I honestly was just like I heard the initial stats in the press release and I like started weeping mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I think some of it's just this pent-up energy because this pandemic sucks I don't know if you've heard <laughs> but it's kind of terrible <laughs> And I would like it to be over. I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. And so we have a long way to go, but I think that kind of pent up energy, the idea that maybe there's an end in sight, realizing that, you know, I've been hopeful that, you know, like I told you at the beginning, like I told Lou for his sixth, for his seventh birthday in November, 2021, we're hoping to have a normal party. Mm-hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But then also that my husband did this because, you know, like, I'm just really proud of him. Mm -hmm. How did he get involved? He signed up. There's like a website. You like go okay. to this government website and you say that you're willing to yeah. volunteer. I think I did it, but didn't get called. Maybe I did. Maybe it got lost in my email. <laughs> um, but he did and they contacted him and they did this really long consent process, mm -hmm. like a really big wig, you know, doctor at UNC called him. And I'm like, that person called you to consent you? Like, I was very <laughs> impressed. Like, yeah, yeah, long conversation. So I think they were taking a lot of care to really talk to people, make sure they understood things. Mm -hmm. um, and he decided to to enroll um thank you louie that was really yeah. generous of him i am very proud of him and apparently is it fair to say he's immune now well so it's our, it's a randomized control trial so oh, we don't know if he got course. placebo yeah. or the vaccine but he had a very like typical he had a reaction to the vaccine like he had very sore arm to both okay. but the second one he had extreme fatigue for like 24, 36 hours. Oh. And those are some side effects that okay. can happen and are more common in younger people than older people. So it could be a coincidence that he had these side effects, but okay. it seems pretty textbook. So we're hoping. So mm -hmm. we'll see. So if when he is unmasked, I will let you all know. Okay. All right. That was a lot. That was a lot for me. <laughs> no, I mean, there is a lot. So of course that was a lot. There's a lot. Yes. And I'm just mm -hmm. grateful to my friends. You know, we've been taking masked walks together. Mm -hmm. My favorite coffee shop opened its patio up. And so I kind of sit on a patio and have a coffee. I mean, let's have a moment of silence for people who live in cold climates. Ugh, um, because yes. I have to say, I, I really appreciate the fact that, you know, on my screen porch, we have a couple of heaters. I've mm. been to many other screen porches that have heaters or, you know, out, out back, they have a fire pit or something. Um, you can't, I don't know what people up north do. Maybe they just, you know, grin and bear it. But yeah. I feel very fortunate that we live in a climate where we can, you know, be walking outside or in my case, running or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm very grateful because... Yeah. I will tell you that in the past few couple months, I have just something broke in me. And I was like, I 
have to socialize. I have to, and I'm going to do it safely. It's going to be masked. It's going to be outside, Mm -hmm. but it's got to happen. Um, because I could feel myself breaking. Um, and so that's been good. It's been really good. And I'm actually going out a lot more than I would in the before times. Um, just because day to day, it's not, I don't (laughs) encounter anybody. Um, and I feel my kids, you know, there's been a lot of up and downs in ups and downs in terms of school. Mm -hmm. So, um, in my school district, first K through two, and then they expanded to include third grade, mm-hmm. up maybe up through fifth grade or something, um, could go back maybe a couple of weeks ago or right before Thanksgiving. And okay. we decided to let Henry go. And then I don't know what happened, but Ben and I texted each other like in the same hour and we're like, no. This is before he actually went. Before he actually went, we had mm-hmm. already agreed to send him back. We had told him and everything mm-hmm. like bad parenting move because <laughs> then we changed our mind. We're like, how do you get to see your friends? Never mind. Um, but I, it was just, I was like, nope, for sure. Nope, definitely not. It was like the case counts were rising. There were like a couple of incidents in the school. I was just like, no, mm. work from home. We are fortunate. Let's just wait. And so, um, but I feel my kids, you know, like it's, it's a lot. And, you know, Henry woke up to like 15 emails, which in his world is a lot. That's and a lot of emails. For a third grader. And he was so overwhelmed and he like, nobody's teaching him how to engage in task management except Ugh. for his mother. <laughs> and um, like, it's just a lot for a kid to do, you know? Yes. I, yes. I, oh, oh, that's actually, uh, that's it's a, a lot. lot. It's a yeah. lot. So, I mean, I, it just makes me reflect and I'm aging myself for sure. But like, <laughs> I learned basic task management before I had a computer. Yeah. And so like, I incorporated that, but they're having yeah. to deal with huge amounts of information. Yeah. And it, they went from zero to 60 because they didn't have to do that sort of thing before COVID. So anyway, I'm very eager for my kids <laughs> to be able to go back to school. I'm, you know, Ben has started going back to work um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which okay. seemed stupid to me, but also it's nice. Mm. (laughs) um and I go into wake you know maybe once a week Mm -hmm. um just for a change of pace and because I like Winston and it's just I got a new car so I really like to drive it (laughs) and um yeah it's been so I have certainly been engaging in a lot of like self (sighs) I think I I kind of like threw myself into the void of the pandemic in some sense. So I got my nose pierced, which I wanted to do for years. And um, I didn't think it was an option. I was going to do it in California when we were going to go visit family um, and couldn't obviously do that. And then my friend told me that a friend of hers got her nose pierced. I'm like, how, how are they doing it? Turns out super, they take a lot of precautions. And so I was like, I'm freaking getting my nose pierced. And it was the best thing. It was so great. I loved it. I love it. And, um, I got like a blonde streak in my hair. Cause why not? I'm just like punking out and my kids are getting their hair dyed. And I, I just, I think I'm just 
I went from the minivan to a mini Cooper. <laughs> I just need to be like, mm, I am going to make some space for myself yeah. now. Like, I just need to sink into whatever is happening with me it's nice I mean it's nice to be like okay like this is my life now these are the constraints but you know within these constraints maybe I'll do something I wouldn't have done normally yeah yeah it feels good I'm you know leaning into it I'm happy about it um I've definitely hit some new lows um Mm -hmm. election night was devastating to me I just Um, went to bed early I was like I can't even stay up as I had trauma from 2016 and I it just hit me in waves like I was wallpapering (laughs) and um I went out to Ben and I was like oh my god I don't think I really allowed myself to consider that this was a possibility like intellectually I did but emotionally I clearly didn't because I didn't it didn't even consider this was going to happen this is so devastating so anyway a lot of lows um but you know, I, I do, I was listening to the daily, um, podcast this morning, the New York times daily and, um, Michael Barbaro said something, it was, what was the phrase he used? He used a weird kind of optimism. Like it was yeah. like, Oh, we can be optimistic just with respect to the, the positive trials. Yeah. Um, and it does feel a little bit like, Oh, maybe. We need to have an idea that there's like an end. I feel like we're in the middle. Yep. And I do feel like the next couple months are going to be bad. Yep. So we have to have some idea that like we're moving towards something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, so what else can I tell you? I don't know. I'm work is really good. I'm, I yeah. had a mentoring meeting today. It was fantastic. I feel really good about my move. You know, I, I, I was reflecting today on how adaptable we are as humans in many mm-hmm. respects and, you know, all of the transition-y type stuff. I actually just hired a new staff member as well. Oh, congratulations. Thank you very much. I mean, I'm very excited about it. Um, and, you know, she's going through the orientation and stuff like that. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, orientation. That feels like a million years ago. It was in July. Um, and now I'm like, you know, I feel pretty integrated. Not, I mean, not like completely, obviously, but I'm, I'm definitely settling in and it feels really good. Um, so yeah. it's a big thing. I know a lot of people are thinking about changing jobs. I mean, I feel like a lot of people, some people are just trying to change jobs and move within their careers and grow. But some people also have had a moment where they're like, I need to make a change. This yeah. whole thing has made me realize that I need to seize an opportunity to do something that either fits my life better because of mm-hmm. new constraints I have um, with family obligations or that, you know, just is worth doing every day when I realize that life is short. And I, I mean, you said it, I, um, I think my general coping mechanism in the context of the pandemic is, um, kind of like, you know, Emily Nagoski talked about in, um, her interview with Brene Brown and her sister, Amelia Nagoski, like honoring feelings and using that as information and really, mm-hmm responding to those or acknowledging those as valid. Um, And so I've been really trying to not criticize myself too much for whatever it is that I'm responding to and how I'm responding to it. And 
um, you know, if I do need a change or I need to reorient myself based on new information or new feelings or whatever, by all means. Yeah. So I am thinking about looking forward. I'm about to do my first virtual conference mm, okay. in a couple of weeks. Um, so I will have to let you know how that goes. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna have a low key Christmas. Um, and I'm looking forward to Academe season five. Mm-hmm. Want to talk about friendships? Yes. And other things. And I'm looking forward to like growing our business. So we like are officially an LLC and we're working on getting our bank account together. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our first LLC taxes. I got to call the accountant. I'm excited. Yes. I, um, the, I, I do feel optimistic about 2021. <laughs> I really actually do. I really sincerely do. And I, I will say that in season four of Academes, I felt very satisfied with our lineup mm-hmm. and I feel like we've hit our stride and season five I'm very excited about because I yeah. feel like a lot of the lessons that we've learned we've been able to carry forward and really optimize and um it's exciting to me it's I it's like when I used to cook on a regular basis um creatively uh I would like find a recipe and then perfect it. I'd like tweak a little bit and I would make it over and over again. And um, I kind of feel like that's our podcast. We're just tweaking the recipe and I love it. <laughs> it's going to be good. Also, we are trying to set up a system for one-time donations. I feel yes. like I need to talk about all the business stuff, but it's it's slow going, but we're, we're, we're going to make it work. And we just appreciate everybody's support. Like it's been really cool. The people who are Patreon patrons, um, just like supporting us to try to keep this going. I have a new mic stand. Thank you, <laughs> Patreon patrons. So yes. we'll see how that plays out. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a strange time. It is a strange time. I try to think not too far ahead, but sufficiently ahead to um, consider what I might think about this time in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like to think is that I did everything I could to take care of my family, yeah. and to take care of my friends, and to take care of myself, mm-hmm. and um, to grow as a person. And I, I feel like, you know... <laughs> feel like I'm doing that I think that's pretty good Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay Sarah all right Whitney this was lovely good to talk with you it was good to talk to you all right good night good night Academes was produced by Mara Bookbinder Whitney Robinson and me Sarah Birkin Miriam Ock edits and provides administrative support for the podcast Our artwork is by Melissa Hudgens at Leafy Greens Design, and we receive funding from listeners like you. If you'd like to donate to help with the podcast's ongoing operations, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash academiespodcast. Thanks! Thanks!